We want to talk about light in the midst of darkness. Focus on the greatest gift that God has, been, uh, has given to us, and that is the gift of His Son, Jesus Christ. As the Scriptures teach us, God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him will not perish but have eternal life. When Jesus came into the world, He was the light that brought hope in the midst of darkness. And I believe that still to this day, he is that light that brings hope to us no matter where we find ourselves. And today as we begin our series, I want to share with you words declared by Jesus that I believe dealt the greatest blow to the kingdom of darkness. Okay? As we begin this series, t- focusing on light in the midst of darkness, it's our Christmas season and we, it's a season where we love to give gifts and We do wonderful things for our loved ones, and hopefully we're enjoying each other and our families. But in the midst of this season where we give gifts, I think it's important that we make much of the greatest gift that we ever received. And that gift is the gift of the Son of God. Amen? Let's make much of Him, because He is the Prince of Peace. He is the giver of joy. He is the one that satisfies. And I want to make much of Him, and I want to make much of what He's done. And as we dive into the series where we celebrate Jesus and, and, and him as the greatest gift and as we celebrate all that he's done, I want to focus today on the greatest, the words, words that he declared that dealt the greatest blow to the kingdom of darkness. Go with me to John chapter 19. The scriptures read this way, verse 28 and 30 through 30. Jesus is on the cross. At this point, he talked to each, uh, to, to John and Mary. At this point, he suffered uh, everything uh, that he was to suffer. At this point, he fulfilled everything that he was to fulfill according to the law and according to the prophets. At this point, he drank completely the cup that God had for him, the cup of sorrows. And the scriptures read this way, after this, Jesus knowing that all was now finished, said to fulfill the scriptures, I thirst. A jar full of sour wine, uh, sour wine stood there. So they put a sponge full of the sour wine on a hyssop branch and held it to his mouth. Jesus received the sour wine. He said, it is finished. And he bowed his head. And gave up his spirit. Lord, I thank you for these words. I thank you for what they mean. I thank you, Lord God, for what happened at the cross. And I thank you, Lord God, for giving us a revelation of what this means today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If I could just read to you another portion of scripture dealing with that same thing, Luke 23, 44 through 49. I don't have it on the slide, but I'll share it with you. It says this. It was now about the sixth hour and there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. While the sun's light fell and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Then Jesus calling out with a loud voice said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last. Now when the centurion saw what had taken place, he praised God, saying, Certainly this man was innocent. And all the crowds that had assembled 
for the spectacle when they saw what had taken place return home beating their chest and all his acquaintances and the woman who had followed him from Galilee stood at a distance watching these things. Jesus said, it is finished. And as he declared it is finished, the veil in the temple tore to pieces. As he said it is finished, all of a sudden even the centurions who were there executing the judgment recognized who Jesus truly was. In the midst of that, even all of the stars in the universe responded to the reality of who he is. Think about this. The Bible says that there was darkness all around. It means that the creator of the world, while on the cross, he was being grieved by not only those who loved him, but by the universe that he created. The universe itself. And there he declared, it is finished. It is finished. Well, they would often come to my door. They would knock. They were so faithful to come in their bikes. Well-dressed young men with a tie. I would come in and would say, hey, we'd like to share with you more good news about a gospel you've never heard. I said, sure, come on in. Tell me what you have to say. So let me share with you about Smith and the faith of the Mormons. Let me tell you about someone who came to finish what Jesus didn't finish. And at that moment, the conversation ended. You see, because Jesus already declared it is finished. Any other gospel is a false gospel. I want to tell you today what it is finished means. It is finished means this very first thing. Number one, Jesus and his sacrifice was acceptable to God. Jesus and his sacrifice was acceptable to God. You see, in the Old Testament, you have this entire system of sacrifices that need to be offered to God. And they had to be done in such a way and in such a place that it would honor God. You couldn't bring to God something that was cheap or was weak or was lame because he wouldn't accept it. And that you would bring judgment on yourself by offering God something that he wasn't worthy of. So the sacrifice that needed to be offered to God needed to be an animal that was perfect, that was without blemish. And it needed to be presented to the right priest so that he could now... Uh, offer up this animal for your sins, not so that your sins would be washed, but simply so that your sins would be covered, so that God wouldn't treat you according to the way your sins and the, according to the way that you actually deserve. This was a sacrificial system that was so legalistic. It was so ritualistic. And it was to teach the immensity of the problem of sin that you and I have. And it was to prepare us for the one sacrifice that would come that would wipe it all away and that would not only cover us of our sins but would wash us of our sins the sacrifice of the son Jesus Christ are you with me so far the sacrifice when Jesus says it is finished what he is saying what he is declaring what those words means is that Jesus sacrifice was acceptable before God now it also means this It also means that Jesus fulfilled everything that needed to be fulfilled in the law and in the prophets. 
there's an interesting story where Jesus is hanging out with his disciples. John and Peter and I believe James. They're just walking. And you know, the Bible says in Isaiah chapter 53 that there's nothing really good looking about Jesus where people are like, wow, look at Jesus. He's awesome. Contrary to popular depictions of Jesus, he wasn't the only blonde, blue-eyed Jew that was, you know, walking around, you know, on cloud nine, just looking amazing, right? That, that's, the Bible says actually he was just kind of like a normal Joe. There was nothing about him, nothing beautiful about him that drew men to him outside of God the Father himself, right? And now, the Bible describes that Jesus, as he's walking with his disciples, at one moment he transfigures. In other words, he now shows himself to his disciples as who he really is. Here is this normal Jesus that's walking before them in the flesh, who now shows up and shows himself to them in his glory. Can you imagine what that must have been like? And they are overwhelmed by this because Jesus is radiant, full of light. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that Jesus is the light of the world. Amen? That means that the sun has nothing on Jesus. Think about that. The sun got nothing on Jesus. The sun was created to reflect who God is. Think about that. And Jesus in transfiguration stood there. And and, uh, as he stood, they saw two people next to Jesus, Elijah and Moses. And Peter, being like some of us, incapable of being quiet, but constantly having something to say, says, uh, 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 this is, uh, yeah, this is, um, um, let's just, uh, let, let's, uh, why don't we make an altar for each of you? Let's make an altar for each of you. Yeah, that's what we're going to do. We're going to make an altar for each of you. And God speaks and says, this is my son. In him, I am well pleased. You see, Moses and Elijah being next to Jesus reflects this. Number one, Moses, through Moses, the people of God knew the law. The law came through Moses. And Elijah was representative of the prophets. Jesus, number one, fulfilled the law. In other words, he walked according to the ways of God and was sinless. And from another perspective, he fulfilled the prophecies. Tons of prophecies in the Bibles that Jesus fulfilled. It, It is said that if just you take 48 of those, excuse me, you take eight of those prophecies that Jesus fulfilled. You take eight of those prophecies that Jesus fulfilled and the probability of anybody else fulfilling those eight prophecies. It's just it's just not realistic. They say that you could take the state of Texas and dig them a a foot deep and fill them with coins all around the perimeter of the state of Texas and take one coin colored at one coin, shuffle up those coins all over and just hope with your eyes blinded that you can pick that one coin. That's the probability of somebody else fulfilling the prophecies that Jesus fulfilled in just eight of them. I can point to 48 prophecies fulfilled by the Christ. 48 prophecies. 48 things that the Lord has fulfilled. Psalm 22, David says, in a prophetic word, they pierce my hands and my feet and they cast lots for my garments. That's a thousand years before Jesus was born. A thousand years before Jesus was born. David is declaring what would happen to the Messiah. There is Jesus on the cross. And not only is he crucified. But they are gambling for his garments. Isn't that amazing? 
when Jesus says it is finished, it means that his sacrifice was acceptable before God. It also means that he fulfilled both the prophecy and that he fulfilled the law of God. And it means this last thing that I want to share with you. When Jesus says it is finished, it means that you and I can draw near to God. I want you to capture this with me. When Jesus says it is finished, it means that you and I can draw near to God. One of the things that happened when Jesus declared those words and was on that cross and the darkness filled the earth, the Bible says that there was a veil that was torn to pieces. And that veil was a veil that stood in the way, uh, that stood and, and made a division between the outer and the inner courts. It was, it, was a, it was a veil that separated the inner courts from the holies of holies. You see, there was this place separated for the priest. This place considered the holy of holies that only the high priest can enter in and offer sacrifices unto God for the people. In other words, if I sinned and Joe was the high priest, if I sinned, I had to bring my sacrifice to Joe and then Joe would take my sacrifice and he would offer it to God because I was not worthy to enter into that holy place. Are you with me so far? I wasn't worthy to go before God to ask for forgiveness for my sins. I wasn't worthy to stand in the holy of holies. No, there was complete separation. And when Jesus says it is finished, when Jesus declared it is finished, what he was declaring was simply this. There is no longer separation between you and me. There is no longer separation between you and me. So when that separation was over, it opened up a whole new reality for you and I. And this is the reality that God has opened up for us when he declared it is finished. Are you ready? The reality is this. God says, draw near to me and I will draw near to you. God says, if you seek me, you will find me. If you ask, you'll receive. If you knock, I will answer. Isn't that incredible? Isn't that incredible? God says that where two or three are gathered, there I will be. Isn't that amazing? It's the promises of God for you and I. See, the whole plan of God with the sacrifices in the Old Testament and everything was to prepare us to get to this place where we would understand that we're in need of a Savior. That Savior died on the cross and the words he declared, it is finished, means that you and I can have a personal relationship with God. That there is nobody else that we have to go to to get to God. That there is no pastor or preacher or Mary that we need to pray to before we get to God. That there is no John Smith or whatever other occult may present to us. There's nobody else that we need to get to to get to God. It is finished means that he loves you so much that he got everything out of the way to get connected to you. It is finished. It is finished. Jesus has gotten everything out of the way so that you can get connected with a God who breathed out stars. Jesus has gotten everything out of the way, not only so that you can hear about God, but that you can hear from God. Jesus has gotten everything out of, out of the way, not only so that you can have eternal life and know him as Savior, but so that you would know him as friend and spend eternal life with him. It's not so that you can, it's not so that he can see you and say, okay, you made it, but I don't want to see you. <laughs> right? 
But rather, he says, he wants to say to us, my son, my daughter, my good and faithful servant, enter into my rest. The question remains then, if Jesus' declaration that is finished means that his sacrifice was acceptable, that he fulfilled everything that needed to be fulfilled, and if its sacrifice means that I can draw near to God, what am I doing with that truth? What am I doing with these words? And how am I let, letting them affect me and change me? Would you stand with me this morning? Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. It is finished. Everything that needed to be done so that you and I can draw near to God has been paid. Jesus was there at the Mount of Gethsemane and he cried so deeply, so heavily. The Bible says that his sweat was like drops of blood. He didn't want to take this cup. He wasn't a superman who didn't feel pain. He was totally God, but at the same time he was fully human. And he said to his father, he said, Dad, is there there another way? Is there another way? Please, can you take this cup from me, please? Because he was so overwhelmed by what was going on and what was about to happen. He was so overwhelmed that he was hoping to get some comfort from his friends. He said, why are you asleep? Don't you understand the hour that draws near to us? But he couldn't draw his comfort from them. Ultimately, he said, God, if it be thy will, I'll take your cup. Let your will be done and not mine. He suffered greatly. He suffered as he not only carried your sins, but became your sin. That all of God's judgment will fall on him for one purpose. That God would draw near to you and that you would draw near to God. Do you see how radical the love of God is for you? That he would take his perfect son, send him to die on the cross, that you and I would be restored to him. What are we doing with that truth? I said to this man, I said, Jesus loves you. Don't you want to give your life to Christ? Don't you want to serve him? He said, there's no way that Jesus loves me. Number one, you're too young. You can't even identify with what I've been through. You don't even know what I've been through. And there's no way that God can forgive me. Then the question remains. Do we actually believe that our sin is more powerful than the blood of Christ? Do we actually believe that there is any sin in the world that we've committed that's so strong that Jesus and his sacrifice is not sufficient to forgive us? You see, when you doubt God's ability to forgive, you're not doubting yourself. You're doubting God. You're doubting the Savior. It is finished. All we have to do is confess and turn our lives to him. It is finished. The price has been paid for us to know him and know eternity. Mm. It is finished. All we have to do is turn our lives to him and believe in him. And those who put their faith in Christ will never be put to shame. That's right. Lord, we thank you that it is finished. Thank you. We thank you, Lord, that it is finished. 
Lord, right now, in the name of Jesus, I come against condemnation. There are many of us here who feel so unworthy. We feel so unworthy. We don't feel like we can be forgiven. We feel so unworthy. And God, the reality is we are unworthy. By our own means, we are unworthy. But you make us worthy. You love us so much. You love us so much. You created us in such a way, God. You created us to love us. God, you radically gave your life that we may know you. Father, I thank you that it is finished. But Lord, just because you said it is finished, it doesn't mean that many of us are living like it is finished. Many of us are still living in prison to our sins or in prison to our doubts or in prison to unforgiveness. And Lord God, today we want to declare it is finished in our lives by saying that we believe, we believe in you. We believe in what you've done. Lord, I thank you for freedom today, for salvation. I thank you for freedom today, for deliverance from captivity. I thank you for freedom today from sin. In Jesus' name. Now right now, right now, as we're praying with every head bowed and every eye closed, you're here today. And you're saying, today, pastor, that's me. I've kept myself from, from, uh, from following the Lord. Or I haven't given my life to God because I didn't feel worthy of him. I didn't feel worthy of his forgiveness. I've been living with a lot of condemnation, feeling there's no way that God could forgive me. But I understand that when I doubt God's ability, uh, when I doubt forgiveness, I'm not doubting myself, but I'm doubting the ability of God to forgive me. And I want to receive his forgiveness today. I don't want to push it back anymore. If that's you, right where you're at, would you raise your hand? Yes. Yes. So many hands. Receive the forgiveness of God right now. Yes. Receive the forgiveness of God right now in Jesus' name. Receive the total forgiveness of God. Receive the forgiveness of God. If Jesus is not casting a stone, why are you throwing a stone at yourself? It is over. It is finished. Maybe you're here and you're saying, Pastor, I walk with a great deal of condemnation. I walk with a great deal of condemnation. But now I realize that Jesus did it all. He did everything. He he paid the price for my peace and my joy. And today I want to give up condemnation. I want to give up condemnation. I want to let it go and believe that it is finished. That I can walk with the joy and peace of God in my life. If that's you, would you raise your hand right where you're at? Yes. 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 Thank you for breaking the chains right now. Thank you for breaking the chains right now, Lord God. Thank you for breaking the chains of the enemy right now, Lord God. Thank you for breaking the chains of the enemy right now. Father, I thank you that there is every dark, all, the darkness has been defeated, God. And I thank you for every attack of the enemy, God, that's Jesus, trying to lodge itself you, in our minds right now. That you would break right now in Jesus' name. And supernaturally speak life, God. We speak life over people who need your freedom right now in Jesus' name. 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 Hallelujah. I'm going to ask you to take one major step towards your freedom. Today you're here and you need to, and you understand that it is finished. 
And you understand that that means that God is saying that he is drawing near to you and he's waiting for you to draw near to him. That's for you today. You understand that you need to respond to that. Would you come to the altar right now and join me at the altar? You're saying, I know today that the Lord says it is finished. And I know that right now in my heart, he's calling me to draw near to him. And I feel inclined to come up to the altar to be prayed for. If that's you, would you come to the altar right now? We'd love to pray with you. If the altar workers would come up right now. The altar workers would come up right now. The altar workers would come up right now. Praise God. Praise God. Somebody needs to hear this this morning. God is not drawing near to you to condemn you or to shame you. He wants to draw near to you to restore you and to set you free. Are you hearing me today? God does not want to draw near to you to condemn you and to shame you, but to restore you and to set you free. But you have a choice to make. As he draws near, he's drawn near to you today. How will you respond to him? Would you come to the altar this morning? Would you respond by coming to the altar and saying, God, here I am. Here I am. Father, thank you. Lord, I thank you for what you're doing. I thank you for freedom today. I thank you that there is no condemnation in you. It is finished. It is finished. Lord, I pray for freedom over your church body, over your people. And Lord, I thank you that we would walk and live our lives understanding that it is finished. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 God bless you today. God bless you today. The altars are open. If you need prayer.